You are listening to Parenting Our Future with certified parent coach, Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in your parenting so you can create the family you always wanted. For more information on my book and other resources, check out yellingcurebook.com. Hey everyone, it's Robin McMahon here and welcome to another edition of Parenting Our Future. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And I so honor you for taking the time to listen to my show. It means the world to me. And speaking of the world, I know how hard it is right now. Um, You know, everybody wants to state the obvious that it's unprecedented. And I guess I want to state the obvious too, that the world is uh, in a completely different place than we have ever been. And uh, at least for us in North America, we are just really at the beginning. And I am sending love out every day to everyone, every parent who I know is struggling, whether you're working from home um, and have young kids at home too. It is no joke trying to, and even if you're not working, you know, there's so much about that too. Maybe you've been laid off and you don't have access to uh, the funds that you used to and the uh, the government funds are, haven't come yet. Or you're working and your kids are, need you. And then you're having to add school to that. And maybe you have a child who doesn't like school, struggles with school. Maybe you have a child that you need to spend more time with to help them with school. And that is just like stressing you out. That might just be like the cat, the, the, what is it? The straw that broke the camel's back for you. And I really want to tell you to go easy on yourself. There is no way that we can make this look perfect. (laughs) There is no such thing as a perfect quarantine, perfect isolation, uh, perfect at home school and online learning. It doesn't exist. And please go easy on yourself. You do not need to take on the stress of everything and act as though nothing has changed. And for you to produce the same amount of work that you would produce before, or for you to uh, take the place of your child's teacher and teach them just like they would at school. You know, that is next to an impossible task. And for, for those of you who are doing it, yay for you. That is so incredible for you. I am so happy for you, but I'm going to tell you right now, I never signed up to homeschool my kids for a reason. (laughs) I love my kids, but that's hard to do. And we're getting into it too. And we are, we are putting routines in place. We are setting, uh, we're putting structure in place, but I'm also going easy on myself and I'm going easy on them because look, This time and whatever gap there is in their education right now will not define the type of student they're going to be moving forward. It will not dictate what their future is going to look like. In fact, there's a lot of lessons that our kids are learning right now that have nothing to do with school right? So I really, I really want you to, to not worry so much about it. Our teachers who are amazing are putting out content, right? They're putting out content and some of them have kids at home too, that they're probably struggling with balancing teaching and then having their own kids. But if your kids and you together can't get the work done, I just invite you to have an open conversation and say, hey, we're doing our best. This is what school is looking like for us at home. And this is the best we can do. And be okay with that. I think you can settle into that. 
And remember, our kids have a big, long summer break and they go into a higher grade, right? So we don't freak out over the summer. We don't necessarily continue to keep the, the learning going over the summer because we know they need a break, right? And this, albeit a much larger extension of time, a much longer time period, our kids are going to be okay. That's really just my message to you. Our kids are going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And this soon will pass. I love the word temporary. I love temporary because that's something we have to remind ourselves every day is that this too is temporary. And every day that we spend in quarantine or isolation or in lockdown is one day closer to the end. So I really want to bring you some light in the darkness. And I also want to really invite you to notice the things that make you happy. There are all around us during this time. And I realize there are people dying. I realize there are people who are sick and that is not lost on me. And I don't want anyone to think that I don't know that. In fact, I know of a really close friend of ours, a family friend, someone who I've known since I was 15 has COVID-19 and it's heartbreaking to me. It's heartbreaking. So I'm there too. But with all of this, there are still things that we can look at to find joy and to find happiness in our day. And it is important to your mental health and your well-being that you pick up those little gems that are all around you every day. Whether it's a, I always, I always use this one. I obviously I love this one, but like a cold drink of water. I get up every morning and look forward to my coffee every single morning. There is joy in that for me. I got up today and I had a shower. I did my hair. I did my makeup. There was joy in that for me. I, um, my, one of my boys greeted me in the cutest way this morning. There was joy in that for me. I can find joy in many places. And there are things that you may take for granted or look, as, look at as mundane or neutral or insignificant, but they're not if you take them in. And what that does is it just balances the negativity bias in our heads. Our negativity bias means that we will take in lots of positive things throughout the day. Let's throw out a number of 10 good things a day, right? You got 10 great things. You get 10 compliments. And then one person's like, uh, I don't know about that top. It looks a little tight. And then boom, that's all you could focus on is the one person that said something not nice. And then all of a sudden your whole brain is tilted towards that comment, not the 10 good ones, right? So what we need to do is we need to just level that playing field and we need to bring in all the good. We need to bring in the joy, bring in the things that we love to help balance out that negativity bias. And we can do that in our homes. We can absolutely do that. Find things that we are grateful for and things that we love. So that is your homework. <laughs> Who knew you're going to get some homework, but I just decided now <laughs> that is your homework to do. Now, the focus of this episode is all about looking at things in a different way. And I want to look at your child's behavior 
in a different way. And last podcast, I interviewed Wendy Gossett and she is so cool. She talks about kids' temperaments. And I thought this was a perfect addition, a perfect tag on to what we were talking about in uh, my last episode, because she's talking about temperament and temperament is something we can't change in our kids. Temperament is who they are. And we can take what we see in our kids that might be completely opposite to who we are, and we can flip it and look at it as a strength instead of a weakness. We can look at it as something that we can love in our kids instead of something that we hate in our kids. Most of us would love to have mini-me's who love everything we love, who like to do everything we like to do. But unfortunately, we don't get the kids we want, we get the kids we need. Or even just the one. Maybe you just needed one, one child. That's all you need. However it works for you, our kids are here to teach us and our kids are also here to help us grow as people. And this topic is something that can really help us. And you can use the same idea in all areas of your life, with your spouse, with the people who you work with, everything. So let's dive in. First thing I want to say is words matter. We're often not aware that we're labeling our kids' behavior in a negative way, mostly. And we often see it as just calling it like it is, right? Like, well, look, I'm just pointing it out. She's shy. So isn't that appropriate for me to say she's shy? Well, as parents, we have to remember the huge impact that our words have on our children when they display undesirable behavior. And when they display undesirable behavior, we attach a negative label to it. And this label can be part of their self-identity or their inner voice. And that's not good, right? That's not what we want for our kids. Oftentimes, the behavior we're calling out is only temporary, but the messaging can be wired into your child's subconscious for a lifetime. Many of my clients have told me that they remember being negatively labeled by their parents with words like mean, troublemaker, loud, such a scaredy cat, talks too much, selfish, and many of those labels have stayed with them today. Personally, I was always called selfish, and that really affected me and has affected me a lot of my life until I did some work to get through it and to see that that was a label that my parents put on me that didn't fit and was for, temp for behavior that really was temporary. So we don't just reframe for the child's benefit though, we do it for us as parents as well because when we're caught in a cycle of negatively labeling our child's behavior, it changes the way we see them and influences our thoughts, perspectives, and attitudes about our child. What if instead we were able to reframe our child's behavior in a positive way that empowers them, that isn't rooted in shame or disapproval? This can reshape how you see your child and better understand what your child is really feeling and needing. Furthermore, your child will get a more positive picture of who they are when they receive more positive messages. Let's look at some common behaviors that are often seen as negative, like whining. Totally something that parents hate, right? So 
parents will probably think if their child is a whiner, using air quotes, um, they might feel annoyed by this behavior or think that their child just wants to get my attention or is trying to manipulate me, trying to drive me crazy. But another way to frame this behavior is to say, my child is trying to express her needs, but she doesn't have the language to tell me exactly what she needs. She's frustrated. Think about that. Don't you think that fits better? She's frustrated. If she could do better, she would do better. What about when your child says no and is maybe more on the defiant side? We will often label this behavior as being oppositional or defiant. And you're just trying to make me mad or you're difficult or uncooperative or um, refuse to listen. But this can be reframed that my child is learning to have his own voice and he's letting me know that he has his own mind and is becoming an independent person. You know, even if you just say he's just learning to have his own voice, every time he says no, just learning to have his own voice. And by the way, when your child says no to you and refuses, just ask him, how come? Like, how come? How come you're saying no? And, and find out why he's saying no and then try to find a solution that's a win-win. How about if your child hits, bites, pushes? Oh my gosh, this is like the ultimate, right? I know parents would label this as he hits or bites or pushes when she doesn't get her way, she's a monster, he's so mean. Reframing this helps you see what the child is really needing. And in this case, your child is saying, I have lost control and I need your help. When our kids hit, bite, push, also they're really scared. That is, fear is the driver there. And if your child knows, too, that hitting is wrong, then it's easier to correct, especially if you reassure your child that you love them no matter what, even when they do something that hurts somebody else. But if your child goes forward and is labeled a hitter or aggressive, then hitting and that type of aggressive behavior becomes much harder to change because they think of themselves as it. And also, our kids take everything to mean that things are their fault. So if their behavior is seen by you as bad, they're going to think they're bad. And we don't want them to feel that way. Our children are not bad. Their behavior is just a symptom of something else that's going on with them. The other thing about labels is that they're not even accurate. Nearly every person, whether little or grown up, changes day to day. We are all unique and we can't be placed in neat categories or boxes. And how boring would that be if we were anyway, right? Kids might act serious one day and hilarious the next. One day our baby might smile and wave at every stranger. The next might cling to your leg and hide in your shoulder. A toddler might deliberately disobey and then 10 minutes later follow instructions to the letter. Humans are capable of many complex emotions, reactions, and personality facets, kids included. It's impossible for us to label someone and predict each action that they'll take. Every day, our kids surprise us with their ability to zig when we think they're going to zag. And it's just one of the beautiful things about watching them grow. You are currently listening to the Parenting Our Future podcast. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this. 
please don't forget to subscribe. And I would be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating on iTunes. If you're a parent who's struggling and you feel like you might need some support to be the confident leader of your family, where you can calmly respond to any kind of behavior, disrespect, or your kids not listening to you, well, I have a membership group that you might be interested in. All you have to do is go to kamomsclub.com for more information. That's kamomsclub.com for more information. Now, back to the show. When faced with a challenging, strong-willed child, we are so tempted to put the label of troublemaker on our child, right? But here's what that does. It automatically makes it hard, difficult, close to impossible for you to have empathy for your child and then resolve this issue because labeling creates the distance between you and your child's emotions. What you're doing is you're assigning a personality trait to your child instead of trying to relate to your child's struggle. Instead of engaging with empathy, placing that label causes you to move away from connecting with your child who's feeling frustrated or scared or inadequate. You're most likely to view your child as being difficult or a troublemaker, and it becomes harder for you to realize your child is much more than simply behavior, actions, or a temper tantrum. So when you create an excuse for your child and you say, oh, she's just so shy, so she won't do it, or oh, I'm sorry, she's just so rowdy all the time, she'll believe what you say to be true and she'll believe that her shyness or rowdiness is bad. Never mind that being reserved or having plenty of energy aren't bad qualities at all. It's totally normal to feel quiet or held back around strangers or new people. Kids are also expected to expand energy and run around. When your child hears you labeling him for words like rowdy and rambunctious or timid and shy, then your child is going to feel self-conscious. What she really hears is that her perfectly natural feelings and actions make her bad. They're being labeled as bad, those, those behaviors, therefore I am bad. She starts accepting that limiting belief about your, about herself. That's what happens. They start to believe the labels that you put on them and she'll continue to believe in that label as she grows up. And I can, I, I, I can totally relate to that. And I know you can too. These labels that have followed you around for your lifetime that don't even fit with who you are based on parents or other people who saw you in a way that didn't fit with reality. So here's what I want to leave you with. I want to leave you with one thought, and that is noticing the words that you use to describe your child. When you're talking to your spouse about your child or your friends or your your relatives, what words do you use? And notice them. Maybe write them down. Are you using words that don't fit your child? Are you using words that are labeled that stops you from actually having empathy and connecting with your child? If you do, then it's important that you look to reframe the way you see that, that behavior, that personality trait. You don't want to see your child in any way other than their full potential. And here's the thing, kids do well if they can. And when we see our child differently, 
and we intentionally look to see them differently, guess what? We see a different child. And you owe it to you and your child to look at them differently and to not assign a label to them. So I really hope you will do this work. I hope you'll look at the show notes and really take something from it because this absolutely will help you connect with your child better and help you to not get caught up in those behaviors and those things that our kids do that drive us crazy. And if I can say anything else, just remember that most things are temporary. Thank you so much for listening. I wish you all well. Stay safe. Stay well. Blessings to you all. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and care.